you to turn with me to John chapter 20, please. And um, the title of my talk tonight is called The Necessity of Encounter. The Necessity of Encountering the Living God. What we as a teaching team would want to give you the most, we cannot give you. That is an encounter with a living God. If I could give that to you, I would do it. I can, we can, over this weekend, spell out the implications of what it means to encounter God. I don't think in all my years of walking with the Lord, it soon be 36 years, have I ever been so hungry for the living God. My spirit, my heart, my mind, my whole person is alive with a sense of the hunger. When I got the theme from uh, when Jim Jackson sent me the theme of this conference, my heart just leaped as I realized I felt the Lord had certainly spoken to him about that. Now let me read to you from John chapter 20, beginning to read at verse 24. John 20, verse 24. But Thomas one of the twelve called Didymus. He was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples, therefore, were saying to him, We have seen the Lord! Exclamation. But he said to them, Unless I shall see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger in the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again his disciples were inside, and Thomas with them, Jesus came. And this always blesses me the doors having been shut. I like that. And stood in their midst and he said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, and the interesting thing was, he heard Thomas's conversation, though he wasn't present. And he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put into my side and be not unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Question mark. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. 
Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Heavenly Father, help your servant, help this people, bring us together while we're on this mountain, bring us together for spiritual profit. We look not for the extraneous, that which is non-biblical. What we do look for is an encounter with the living God. Lord God, we want to know your ways. Teach us these days, we ask you, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Some years ago, I got this quote from a friend of mine, and he said, and Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? And they answered, you are the eschatological ground of being, the kerygma manifested in conflict and decision, in the humanizing process. And Jesus said to them, what? <laughs> what? Now, I want to try to do something with you tonight. When I said to you, as a teaching team, we cannot give you the thing that we want to give you, which is an encounter with the living God. It's a very frightening thing to play Holy Spirit or try to create something or make something happen that's never been our design or desire at the CBU conference. What we have tried to do is follow the heart of God in such a way that those of us who come here and seek to uh, share and encourage you, we're trying to help us to understand what it means to have an encounter with the Lord. Now, I'm taking the, 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 uh, the situation with, um, with uh, Thomas and trying to help you see something, which is Thomas was not looking for things. He wasn't looking for signs. He was looking for Jesus. The thing that he wanted above all was to be able to have an encounter with him. And so he, he, he as, the, as the other disciples, and we look at, uh, look at verse 25, as the other disciples were all excited about what had happened, he said, we have seen the Lord. But he said, Unless I have my own encounter, unless something happens in my own experience. Now, I am very much aware, in fact, I, I, I want to stop for a moment and just fix this in our thinking. How many here feel deeply in your spirit there was ever a time to learn God's ways? It's now. So the, the theme is very, very critical, and, and personally, I believe that no church on the history of the world is as unprepared to face what is yet to break upon our nation as the church in America. 
Now that's not a gloom and doomer, it's just a very real sense of where my heart is. And so, so, so Thomas is very, uh, he's a kind, what we would say in the business world, he's hard-nosed. He doesn't want somebody else's experience. He doesn't want to live on something that was spoon-fed. And then there's something in his heart, and he's saying, unless I see and touch him myself. Now, sometimes I think we have uh, interpreted uh, Jesus, uh, verse 29. Look with me now at verse 29. Blessed are you because you have seen me and you have believed. Bless, uh, because you have seen me and have believed, blessed are those who did not see. Now, we're not talking about uh, some kind of vision. We're not talking about a dream. We're talking about a spiritual encounter with the living God. And if there was ever something that is deep in my heart... Now, what I want to do tonight is teach something very, very sensitive and very, very practical and sort of, if I can, to set us as a conference on a direction towards coming to know God's ways. Now, I will try to do that as gently and as straight as I know how to do it. Thomas was not present, but he was not convinced by their experience. How many here know that testimonies of others cannot do something for you? Are you there? Now remember, I read the testimonies of, of the great men of God and, 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 and what they really did to me was two things. One, they made me very hungry. The second they did, they, they convinced me that it was possible. Because I believed the credibility, I believed their testimony, but the fact that I was hungry and that I believed that it was true was not the same as having an encounter with the living God myself. And so as we approach this conference, I've been praying much over this conference, and, I, and I've been asking God, I said, God, don't let anybody go down this, from this hill whose heart's desire is to have an encounter with you. Now, I'm going to spell that out very carefully so you're not thinking, you're not interpreting that to be an experience fixation. Uh, That's not what's in my mind, and I'll I'll try to be uh, very clear with that. Testimony creates hunger. A testimony creates credibility. And when I give my testimony of having touched the Lord or the Lord touched me or I have been in his presence, I had a professor when I was in Bible college and, and, and he used to talk about the Lord coming into his room and standing at the foot of his bed and, and I'll just sit there and salivate, you know. And then would to God and, and waited and expected all my life that God would come and stand at the foot of my bed. He never did. He may yet. All right? Just so we, I don't exclude that. But I'm just saying uh, we want to get the thing in focus. And so when he would talk about this, I knew it was real. And it created hunger in me, but it did not give me my own encounter. Now, I'm saying, repeat once more, I'm I'm encouraging every one of you, be very sensitive to the Lord and let the Lord speak to you tonight so that before this weekend is over, 
you could have some kind of a personal encounter with the Lord. The kind is his own choosing. I'm not looking for some experience. I'm looking for an encounter with the living God. All right? Now, uh, how many remember uh, the the lady in John 4, the woman at the well? And uh, and she had encountered, and finally Jesus speaks to her directly. And he says to her, I that speak unto you, I am he. And all of a sudden she's thrilled, her whole spirit is open, and she runs off to tell the people. But there's an interesting thing. There's a fact. Let's look at it. Let's take a moment. Just look at it in John 4 because we can see it there. I want you to see it carefully for yourself. In John 4, he says these words. Look at verse 39. John 4 and 39. And from that city many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. And he told me all things that I have done. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they were asking him to stay with them. He stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. They had heard him themselves and some kind of a testimony opened their spirit, but they had to have an encounter with the Lord himself. Now, experience, this is what I'm trying to explain, or encounter, cannot be taught or communicated. One of the reasons why the the charismatic renewal swept around the world so powerfully was because it was offering people an encounter with the living God. And uh, as they would encounter the Lord in in tongues and and the power of God and the joy and the worship, uh, a whole new openness and a new hunger uh, began to be theirs. Now, knowing God's ways must include an encounter, your personal encounter with the Lord God. And now that encounter, let me describe it and, and, and try to define it. That encounter includes or, or surrounds a, 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 an understanding or a realization of God's presence in your own life. Now, there's a thing that bothers me in charismatic circles. I don't know how to explain it theologically, but I can picture it for you. It's what I call rain trough religion. And the person next to me knows how to worship and seek God and bring the presence of God down on their life. And I stick my rain trough up on their roof Come on now. And it runs down on me and I say, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and I think that I have gotten something of my own. One thing about these conferences, Sunday you have to go home. You hear what I'm saying? So what, what, what's behind what I'm after is the ability for you to encounter God when you're alone so that you can walk with him as consistently as is possible and that you're deeply, uh, you've had a deep encounter with the Lord yourself and it is not just head knowledge or your father's faith or your church's faith or something that you received secondhand. 
All right, now the, the mystics, the old mystics. Now I read a lot of the mystics, that's why I'm a little weird. Now it's an interesting observation just hit me the other day. Do you know what I just noticed? There are very few American mystics. You know why? Because in America everything is canned. We do it for you. We do the magic touch. You just come and we do it for you. Now, there's something about a mystic that, is, that is, has kept the church alive. I, I, I've never gotten mystical, but I've always wanted to be a mystic, i.e., I wanted to encounter God as a living God. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit. And so our spirit, and we're going to touch this in a moment, our spirit and the Holy Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are the child of God. And so that's an encounter. It is not experience and such. It is an encounter, an awareness, a, a, a deep sense of God. The living God has come to me and I want to walk with him. Now, here's the three things that the mystic tell us we need if we're going to have an encounter with God. First one is waiting on God. Now, I'll explain that in a moment. If you're making notes, would you put some, put at the end of that, waiting on God, wasting time as with a friend. Um, are you there? Wasting time as with your friend. Waiting on God is, a, is an experience that is a tremendous thing. I'll be talking about it in a moment. That's what that chair is for. The second one is called listening. If there was ever a skill that has been lost in America, it's listening. This one man said to his wife, do you have anything else to say before football season starts? <laughs> at home, I work out at the Y three mornings a week when I'm home. I work out at the Y. What I, I cannot understand is almost everybody in the Y have earphones and Sony Walkmans and everything. Do you know why? Because they can't stand the silence. And I, I, that is so beyond me. I, I, I suppose I could have been a monk or a mystic in a cave. How many here have ever been peopled? You ever been people you just want to get away from people? I just get out in the woods, get off in the cave somewhere, just where there's no people. When I was in the military, I used to get in the phone booth and shut the door and pick up the phone and just sit there so I could be by myself. Does that tell you something? Now what? Waiting as if I am wasting time with my friend. Second, listening. Now, I think that listening has been a skill nearly lost in America. We sing, we read, we study, we play Mumford tapes. <laughs> we do anything but listen. Listen. 
Now, I don't mean straining, I just mean listening. And, and I could say so much about that, but I'm just trying to say there's so much talk and so much activity that it's hard to know God when we've never listened to hear what He wants to say to us. And I'll show you how that works in just a moment. Third one is called experiencing. Now, I'm going to, or the same word, encounter, all right? But what I'm, what I'm using, I changed the word encounter to experience just this one time in order for you to understand what I mean by it. And it goes something like this. As I wait and as I listen, the thing that I want God to do is to make His Word happen in me. Do you understand the word? I'm asking God to make His Word happen for me. And, and, and over the years, as I've, tried to, as I've tried to walk this thing out with integrity, I refuse to play religious games. It's real or it isn't real. It works or it doesn't work. God is alive or He's not alive. And so I, I find myself pressing this thing. And I said, Lord, as I, as I wait for you and as I listen, I want, I want you to make your word to happen inside. I, in my notes, I have that word happen in, uh, in uh, parentheses because I don't know how else to explain it. Many times, God has taken a scripture, taken a concept, a principle, some part of himself, and, and, and he makes it happen inside of me. How many of you have ever had the word of the Lord open to you like 4th of July? Come on, let me see your hand. That's right. It's, that's called illumination. That's when the word of God is, is happening inside of you. Now, listen, it's not feelings. Dear God, deliver me from goosebumps. Are you there? I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about an encounter with the living God. And, and, and though I use the word experience, I want to put a careful definition around it. Romans 8.16 says, The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. That's an encounter. That's some kind of working of the Holy Spirit in your life that goes beyond all the activity and all the talk and all the hoopla and all of that. It goes right down to the daily walk, the time when you and I have got to produce. How many believe it's coming up on time for the church to put up or shut up? And you and I are in that. I'm telling you, it's coming around. Go ahead, let's do it, man. It's time. All right, now, let's, let's go as we can. These three things, watch, these three things, waiting, listening, and, and happening or encounter. Now, that's mystical. It's, uh, it's in the realm of the Spirit. And I'm going to try to bring it back around so that you and I can get a good grip on it so that it, it's not something esoteric and out there, but it's very workable for you and I, because I felt the Lord say to me,
I was doing this. I was waiting on God. And the Lord said to me, why don't you on the first night teach the people what you are now doing? I thought, that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't want to preach. Listen, Jamie and these other men, listen, I came this close just shutting down the whole tape thing. This close. Because we're overtaught and undertrained. You understand? Piles of stuff coming at us. And, and, and I tell you, as, as you feel the hearts of these men, I know the team God has given us. Every one of us, just on the edge of tears. See? Because I, I want God to show us something about what it means. Now, these three things, waiting, listening, and a happening, or an encounter. Now, I, I'll, I'll make that more clear as we go along, so just hold that, all right? Now, these three things allow us, one, how to best know Jesus and follow him. Now, I'll just, I'm just giving you these points so you can feel with me where I want to go with this, all right? As I, as I wait and listen and encounter, or, 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 or God's word happens in me, then that's the best way. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, prayer and reading the scriptures and all those things. I'm, I'm talking about uh, learning God's ways tonight, all right? Here's what he says. That's the best way to know Jesus and to follow him. Number two, what, it's what will enable me to love the Father. Wish I could talk to you about the Father. I'll, maybe we'll do it as the weekend goes on. Perhaps one of these brothers are going to do that. But the Father, it shows me how to love the Father. Now, I don't want to disturb anybody's theology tonight, but the old mystics, St. John of the Cross, the Cloud of Unknowing, Madame Guyon, Fenelon, these people testified that they could know the difference between fellowshipping the Spirit, fellowshipping the Son, and loving the Father. That made me so hungry, man, made me feel like a Sunday school kid. I thought, man, that just, oh, do it to me. Now watch. How to know and follow Jesus. How to love and understand the Father and His ways. Third, how to be more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's not a person in this room who wouldn't want those three things. See, isn't that, isn't that where our heart is? Man, my heart just leaps as I, as I say it. And, and uh, all right, now, let's go. Next point. There are many instances of people in the Bible failing to wait for God. And I could give you all kinds of biblical examples. The, 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 the primary example is when Moses went up the mountain and they said, we don't know whatever happened to him. And they made a God and they did rose up and danced to play. And, and if you ever understood what all went on, you would know how really vulgar it was. Now, listen to me. In the absence of an encounter with God, the divorce rate 
among Bible-believing people is the same as in the world. Sexual problems are on the rise within the body of Christ. Weirdness is happening within the church, not outside the church. Are you there? So learning God's ways is not just some nice spiritual exercise, but it could mean the difference between our surviving and prospering and bringing our family and our children along in a true course of spiritual things. How many know that your kids detect almost immediately when you are phony? Man, your kids smell it, buddy. They, they said, Dad, come on, get off it. All right? Now watch. An encounter of our own. Now here's the three things we need in order to have an encounter with God of our very own. Now as you know, there's a lot of other things need to be said, but I'm talking about a spiritual encounter, not other things. All right? Watch. An encounter of our own demands or requires these three things. One. Being comfortable in the presence of God. Just being comfortable in the presence of God. How many here know that if, uh, if, if your dad says, Son, I want to see you in the library. How many here are so sin conscious that we can't be God conscious? You understand? There's so much sin and guilt on us that, that it's hard to be comfortable in the presence of God. And I've been working on this and trying to teach others. And I did a series called Serious Christianity. And, uh, and, and one of the teaching was God's rubber room. And uh, grace is where God allows you to bounce around till you find your way. Right? How many are glad... God's grace was sufficient for you. I mean you. I know you. I see you from here, all right? I mean you, yeah. I mean, whatever it is, but now watch. If we're going to have an encounter with God, one of the things we have to settle above all is peace with God. We need to know we've been born again, baptized in the Spirit, uh, um, whatever else we need to do to get comfortable in God's presence. And if you're not comfortable in God's presence, then you wouldn't want an encounter. But if you're comfortable in God's presence, then you're hungering after God to get to know Him. Second thing we need. Now, I'm, I'm saying this now in a kind of an intimate way. And I, I, as I made these notes uh, this, the, the, that yesterday afternoon and this morning, I began to sense how, how, what the Lord was saying to this conference. Wow, second one. Loving attention to God as a person and as a father. Loving attention to God as a person. I could show you, in fact, I think I will show you scriptures that seem to indicate God is lonely, feeling of having been forgotten and neglected. Do you believe he could be forgotten and neglected in American society? 
you believe it. All right? Now, the reason we don't have many American mystics is because in America we have all our own happenings. Trouble is, they're man-made. I don't want any more man-made happenings. What I want is, I want something of touching the life of God and the person of the Holy Spirit and, and, and something that's ushering me in to the sense of God's presence that is a happening that's born of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, uh, in fact, let me show you the scripture. I, I hope I can find it. It just hit me. Jeremiah. Look with me and Jeremiah for a moment. And let me just touch this so you'll see it. Jeremiah 3, I believe it is. 2, maybe. Jeremiah 2. Lord Jesus, help me to find this thing after I made reference to it. Yes, here we are. Jeremiah 2 and verse 2. Look at Jeremiah 2, 2. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord. I remember that means the love affair is over. I remember concerning you the devotions of your youth. I remember the love of your betrothals when you spoke to me about how you were going to love me and walk with me and spend time with me. I remember that. The fact that God's remembering it, what does it say? Come on. That it's no longer happening. And here's God expressing his heart. You, you haven't spent time with me. There's something going on in your life. And so he, he's reaching out, all right? Number three. Now watch what. First, being comfortable in the presence of God. Second, loving attention to God as a person or as a father. I've been teaching. I've been teaching at San Quentin the prison in, in, a, in a California prison, and I have 70 men in the class. And I said, Lord, what am I going to teach these men? So I taught them Abba Father. And I started saying to them, I want you to stand now and say, Abba Father. Father, my Father. And the tears started to flow. And the Holy Spirit began to bear witness as I was teaching these hardened criminals how to say, Father, my Father. And I watched God washing and healing and breaking things in these men simply by saying, Father, my Father. Being comfortable with God Second, attention to God as a person or as a father. Third, willingness to waste time with God. Now, I have waste time in, a, in, again, in parentheses. I don't know how else to explain it, but I personally do this. See, I, I, I'm going to show you in a moment what I... How I, how I work this thing out in my own life because this is a very important thing and it has been the time when the Lord most grants to me happenings or when he encounters me. Now, I'm not talking about a green angel on a red bicycle. 
You understand, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about encountering God spirit to spirit, His spirit bearing witness with my spirit, and I'm aware, increasingly aware, of the loving nature of God the Father and His Word happening inside of me, all right? Now, the fourth point, which I want you to write down if you're making notes, is know how to do these three things. What are the three things? Waiting, listening. What was the third one? All right. Now, these are, the, how do we do this? Now, what I'm going to do in the next 20, 30 minutes, I'm going to teach you a new skill. All right? I'm going to teach you a new skill. The skill is called waiting on God. It is a particular skill. How many here know that typewriting is a skill? And do you remember when you sat down at that thing, especially if you were in class and there were no letters on the keys? When, when my wife and I, when we were deciding we were going to learn to ski, I had a smart aleck friend of mine, and, and we, were, we got all this gear, and we were going to go up to ski, and this smart aleck friend of mine says, I have a prophecy for you. I said, a prophecy about skiing? He says, yes, the prophecy says, yea, thou shalt fall and rise again. <laughs> it came to pass. I promise you, the prophecy came to pass. I, I felt like a retard on those things, all right? I can remember the tremendous struggle that I had trying to learn how to get those things to come together. Now, listen, learning a skill is very, very important. What I'm teaching you is not just a teaching. You can walk, hear this and walk out. What I want you to do is to learn a new skill with me called waiting on God. If we learn how to wait on God, then we learn how to listen. I'll show you that in just a moment. Third, if we know how to wait on God and we listen, I promise you, money back guarantee, you will have your own encounter with a living God. Because God, from the time of Adam, has been seeking you. Now, some of you have heard me say this. Forgive me if I repeat things, but they're important. How many here know for certain it's God who chased you down and conquered you? He chased you down, put his foot in your neck, made you surrender, then, then the next night you come to church and say, last night I found the Lord. <laughs> All I'm trying to establish is God is the initiator. God is initiating toward you, and, and he is a spirit. And if God is a spirit, then you need to understand that you need to know how to respond to God, and I'm going to show you how to do that just now, all right? With me to Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 4. This is my personal gift to you tonight. Isaiah 64. Now, the three things we're going to learn is waiting on God, second, how to listen, and the third one is uh, a, a happening or an encounter with God. Now, I'm setting it up, and I, I tell you, before this weekend is over, 
many of you will begin to testify to the fact that God has met you in some real and meaningful way. Isaiah 64, beginning to read at verse 3. Now I'm going to take the scripture very, very literally, all right? When thou didst awesome things which we did not expect, how many here have walked with the Lord long enough to know that when he knocks on the front door, you answer the back one? <laughs> the Lord always does things which you don't expect. I have a letter on my bed upstairs. I, I wish I'd almost brought it. But the Lord did more than I could ask or think in a situation beyond my ability to, 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 to think what the Lord would do. All right, now let's read. Thou didst come down, the mountains quaked at thy presence. For of old they have not heard nor perceived by the ear. Now does that sound familiar to anybody? For uh, Verse 4, neither has the eye seen a God beside thee. This is Paul's quote from 1 Corinthians. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God wants to do for his people. All right, now look at verse 4. Now would you put a, a, a date on this please? And this is my gift to you beginning this conference. Who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. Now here's a very simple truth, and I'm going to establish it in your thinking. The very simple truth is this. God works while you wait. You want your prayers answered? You want the things that you've been struggling with all your life? Here's what his promise is. God works while we wait, tell me, I'll tell you right up front why this works. Because waiting on God is one of the most phenomenal ways of expressing our dependence on Him. expressing our dependence on him. Now watch what he says. He acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. Now when that became my own treasure, this revolutionary revolutionized my approach to the Lord and the things of the Lord. Now watch, verse 5. 
Thou dost meet him. Give you Mumford's translation. Thou dost meet him or encounter him who is comfortable in your presence. I have put it in terms of righteousness, but look, thou dost meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness. Now look at this. Who remembers thee in thy ways. When I went to this yesterday, I thought, Lord, this is prophetic. As I began to feel what it is God wanted to say to us as a conference, who remembers you in your ways. We want to learn God's ways. In learning God's ways, we're going to learn how to wait on God. Go with me now to a familiar scripture, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Let's go quickly. We just need to include this so we know uh, where we are biblically. And I'm not going to teach this. I just want you to see it. All right? Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. Now, this, is, uh, this sets us up for some understanding of how this whole thing of waiting works for us. Do you not know, this is Isaiah 40, 28, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired, and his understanding is unscrutable. Look up here for a moment now. Let me see your eyeballs. Have you ever thought about something like this when you'd say to the Lord, Lord, I'm very tired and I'm very discouraged. And I just don't think anything's going to work out right. And the Lord said, me too. <laughs> you, you weren't even ready for that, were you? <laughs> because it never dawned on us that God never gets tired. Are you there? But if he ever said, I said, oh, Lord, I'm discouraged with the church. He said, me too. <laughs> but he doesn't because he's God, right? Now what? We, we could do more with that, but we don't. He gives strength to the weary. To him who lacks might, he increases power. This is all stuff we need badly. Now look at verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord gain new strength. All right? Now, I want to say something. Please, please, look up here now. Let me say something to you straight. Are you there? When you stop burning oil, you start burning wick. Do you know why we see so many burnouts in ministry? Do you know why we see so many burnouts in life? Do you know why we have so much depression and demon activity and all this stuff? Simply because we're not living the life of the Lord. We're, we're burning wick. The moment I stop living, listen carefully, the Christian life is not difficult it's impossible. <laughs> now, carefully, carefully. There are nine words for prayer in the Bible. 
There are nine kinds of prayer, probably more than that. That's the only ones I could find. Nine different words for prayer. What I want to talk to you about is a kind of praying. It's different kind of praying than most of you have ever experienced, but this is where you learn to draw on God's strength. I don't know how I would have made my journey if I had not known the basic understanding of what it means to wait on God and to draw his strength. I give him my weakness. Come on, I give him my weakness. Say it with me. I give him my weakness. He gives me his strength. That's what Hudson Taylor identified as the exchanged life. Years and years and years he labored tirelessly in the, in the nation of China and someone said to him, Hudson Taylor, how can you work so tirelessly? He said it's something called the exchanged life. Before he died, he wrote a little book. It saved my life. My wife says, honey, when you're in the room, there's no oxygen left for anybody else. <laughs> That's life. There's life in this thing. There's life of God. God is not weary. God knows how to handle the thing. The, the, the people of God, the people of yesteryear, the old saints, the ones who understood the cross, they knew how to walk with God, comfortable in His presence. They were intensely desirous of an encounter with Him. Not experience-centered. Not looking for dreams. Not looking for visions. Not looking for God to speak to me in audible voice. That's not what I'm looking for. That's his privilege. If he sees that, will add to my journey. But that's not what we're looking for. Waiting is a certain kind of prayer. I don't know whether to say this. I think I will. There's nobody here but us, isn't that right? <laughs> and a video camera. I, I was learning how to fly fish. Um, one of the things that I learned was that I am such an intense person that I, my, my wife said, Honey, is there anything you like to do by yourself? And that really worried me. <laughs> I said, Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's what I like. And, and I realized, so I decided, my son bought me a fly rod, and we were going to fly fish, and I learned something about trout that was very amazing. The man who was instructing us said, a trout looks at a piece of food coming down the stream, and if it's not exactly over him, he knows whether it will burn more energy to go out and get that food than it's worth. I thought, that sounds like some of my children. Now, all I'm saying very simply is this. 
a lot of people, when they are weak and weary and shot and miserable, they go on a crusade and they burn more energy trying to get strength than they would if they just shut up. I have some weird counseling to people. Somebody said, Bob, I can't find God. I don't know where the Lord is. I said, tell you what, if you don't know where the Lord is, go to bed, sleep 12 hours, get up, he'll be back on the throne. <laughs> Amazing thing. 12 hours of sleep heals a lot of things. Are you there? It's true. Now what? Waiting on God is a form of prayer whereby that's literally what I do. I go into a chair and I sit down and I open my heart, my hands before the Lord and I wait in His presence. Just wait. I don't pray. I don't talk. I don't sing. I don't read. I wait. I wait. I'll wait. Do you know why I wait? Careful now. Not a trick question, but just be careful. Why do I wait? I'll tell you simply. I need God. I am dependent on Him. The life that I live, I live by the faith. Come on of the Son of God, the life that I must learn how to wait on God. He said, if you will wait on me, I'll take your weakness. I give you my strength. You say, it can't be that easy. <laughs> I'm telling you, it works. Now, I'll, talk, I'll share some more, but just get the idea. Now, watch. Kneeling is for humility and repentance. Standing is for requests, and, and, and you're asking God, all right? Now, these brothers probably do it a little differently, but it pretty well lines up like this. Intercession I like to walk when I'm interceding. Is that, is that right? Man, when I start praying for people and things, man, I, I get moving. One, one morning I get up 5 o'clock and I was chomping across the thing, fell asleep, ran right into the wall. <laughs> Literally, I just walked right into the wall. Clunk! I said, yes, Lord, I got your message. I got your message. <laughs> now watch. Waiting on God sounds so simplistic, but what it is, is, listen to my gift. I gave you a gift. If you will wait, what did God promise? I will work. The reason is, it's an evidence that it's God who is doing it, not your wisdom or skill. If you learn how to wait on God, Learn how to wait on God. Now, I'll give you a couple tricks here in just a couple moments, all right? We're waiting. Now, one of the reasons I don't kneel uh, when I'm waiting on God, I, 
uh, some of you have heard me tell this, but I decided that I could get along with about five hours of sleep. So I was going to put my body under, so I'd go to bed at 11 and get up at 4. And I was into the Word, and we had a paisley print couch in the trailer where we lived in a house trailer. And I'd kneel down on this couch, lay my head, go to sleep, wake up with the slobbers all running down, and the paisley print pastored on the side of my face. And I would kneel down at five and wake up at seven. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And when I would wake up with this couch glued to the side of my face, peel it off, then I would repent. Right? Oh, guilt and condemnation and, and hellfire brimstone. But the amazing thing is, God started answering my prayer. You know why? At least I was there. I wasn't waiting, I was resting in the Lord. <laughs> Noah, you stand for requests, you kneel for humility, contrition, for, for repentance and all that, and you kneel to show God your own humility. But when you're waiting, I, I'm telling you, when you're waiting, find a place to sit and just sit Open your hands in a receptive attitude and you wait. You just wait on God. Now, how many here know that most of us are so hyperactive we couldn't do that? I was thinking about trying three minutes tonight. In three minutes, we would be weird. How I many of you know, uh, that's a boxing ring. Uh, uh, three minutes is a long time when you're holding your breath. <laughs> but we'll come back to that now. Watch, I want to show you something. <laughs> All right. God works while we wait. Now, let's go to Jeremiah 23, verse 23. Now, here are the three things that you have to conquer in order to develop your new skill, all right? Where am I at? Jeremiah. Matthew, Mark, Jeremiah. 23, 23. Now, I am going to give you something that is so valuable that you can hardly imagine how wonderful what I'm about to teach you is this. Now, there's three things we have to conquer in order to learn this new skill. What is this new skill called? Waiting. waiting on God. The object is we learn to wait, we learn to listen, and out of that comes an encounter. Now, all I can do is set it up. If you'll do it during this weekend, before by Sunday or whenever, we'll have some time for you to share a little bit of what has happened, all right? Now what? The first problem in waiting is the absence of God's presence. Look at Jeremiah 23, 23. Now here's a wonderful promise. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God 
afar off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him? Declares the Lord. Do I not, now underline this please, do I not what? Fill the heavens and the earth. Now watch. This is, the, this is the Bible. This is the skill. Right here is the skill. When I go to wait on the Lord, how many of you know sometimes you feel like you're sitting in an empty room? God, you're in North Carolina. God went to Virginia. <laughs> is that right? This total absence of God's presence. Right? Here's how I work it. I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm here waiting on you. I know that you know that I'm here. So, you might as well reveal yourself to me. <laughs> now, if that sounds simplistic, that's faith. Faith has substance. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to wait in an empty room. I want you to come. So I know by Jeremiah 23, verse 23, I know that not only are you here, but now watch, because there are two kinds of the presence of God. The presence of God, one is called omnipresent, when God is everywhere. The other is called the manifest presence. That is when God comes to a place where he can be seen, heard, touched, smelled, or what's the other one? Whatever, all right? But, but Lord, so, so what I'm looking for, I start with the omnipresence, but I soon ask the Lord to reveal his what? His manifest presence, and seldom has this ever failed for me. Seldom. There are times, but seldom has this ever failed when I just talk to the Lord because I know that He knows. Not only have I don't worry about finding God, I have a different thing called the fear of God. I know now there's no place I can hide where He doesn't see me. Isn't it interesting that, that, that Thomas was speaking to the disciples and Jesus repeated his conversation? Whoa. That put the fear of God in you. Second one. First one is the absence of God's presence. Second one is called a wandering mind. Anybody here qualify for that? Don't put your hands up. It will depress us all. <laughs> Watch. Here we go. With a piece of paper and a pencil, I'm waving. In the presence of God, I handled that through Jeremiah 23, 23, and the presence of God comes. The second problem is a wandering mind. You didn't wash the children's clothes for tomorrow. Is that right? What are you going to cook for supper? 
Now listen carefully. One Bible verse. Not a whole thing, just one Bible. Think of one Bible verse. The one I use a lot is Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Soon as I quote that scripture, that scripture forces a wandering mind out of my, out of my sphere. If it's a persistent thought, then I write it down, and the minute that I write it down, what happens to the persistent thought? Come on. It's gone, because it's on the paper. All right? So that if, I, if it's a persistent thought, I'll write it down. Be sure to get the, the hamburger for dinner tonight. If that thing keeps coming to me, then I'll write it down, put the paper down. Now listen, we're not reading, we're not studying, we're not singing, we're not, we're not doing anything. What are we doing? Waiting. waiting. Now what's happening is you're starting to alert your listening skills. In waiting, you start to listen. Your, your listening skills start to be awakened. How many here believe you're a little spiritually deaf? Come on, let me see your hands. That's right. Lord Jesus, help the rest of us. What? Right? Many times, many times, the Lord, has, the Lord has taken that very time just waiting on God, and he has done it. Third thing is called distractions. There's an air hammer outside. There's television in the next room. Now listen carefully. That's when you need to learn how to work your skill. I have walked in such a way that I can literally... Tune that stuff right out so that I can focus, poise my spirit right on God. The, the presence of God, a wandering mind, and distractions. All right, now let me go quickly. I want to finish up here. I want to go with me, please. We got two scriptures and we're finished. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 28. All right, 1 Corinthians 14. And verse 28. Now I'm going to give you a little, this is my, this is Mumford's private stock. If you do to me what I'm teaching you now, I'm going to be angry. All right, are you there? 1 Corinthians 14, 28. If there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Now, I have this underlined. Would you underline it in your Bible for me, please? If you, if you underline your Bible. Watch what he says. Let him speak to himself and to what? Let him speak to himself and to God. Now, look up here. If I go to a meeting that is a loser... How many ever been to a meeting that's a loser? <laughs> I was in one meeting, and uh, I was counting how many hallelujahs there were. And finally, I thought, this is a bad attitude. I can't do this. I got up to 285, <laughs> and I decided 
I'm going to check out. Tell me how I check out of a meeting. Oh, you're missing it. How do I check out of a meeting? Yeah, use the time to wait on God. Everybody thinks I'm in it, but I'm out. I'm gone. I'm, I'm sitting there, they said, look, isn't Mumford, oh, look how he's soaking this meeting up. <laughs> Man, me and the Lord. Now what? Let him speak to himself and to God. That's called a little church. <laughs> That's the smallest church in the world. You and whom? You and God. Now this is, I'm teaching you something very, very important. When I get on airplane, four-hour ride, get on airplane, get myself comfortable, and I, I'm into the presence of God, I'll wait on the Lord one, two hours at a time. Lord speaks all kinds of stuff to me. I write it down. Everybody thinks I'm brilliant. <laughs> My wife said, if people knew how easy you got this stuff, they would be mad. <laughs> but I wait, and I, come on, listen. And as I wait and listen, I know His presence is there. That's not even a problem for me anymore. But it is a problem, a wandering mind. I learn how to discipline that and write the things down. Keep my spirit centered on the Lord. It's a brand new skill. Last scripture, Isaiah 30. Where's Isaiah? I lost it. Here it is. Isaiah 30, verse 18. If I was supposed to meet you and you were 30 minutes late for your appointment, what do you think I would do? I'd wait. I give the time to the Lord. Marvelous, amazing, amazing kind of a skill. I, and, and, and if you watch what I'm saying to you, all of a sudden, your whole life starts to become one of learning how to wait on God, keep your spirit open. You're always remembering, you're tuned into the Lord, and, 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 and your listening skills are beginning to open, and you find the Lord digging your ears and saying good things to you. And then you say, Lord, make that word happen in my life. Last scripture, we're finished now. Therefore, the Lord long to be gracious to you. Therefore, he waits. He waits for us to wait. He waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all they. What's the word? 
Isn't that beautiful? Now, what this teaching team wants to give you is an encounter with the living God. Put your Bibles away now, please. Put your Bibles away. We're going, please don't leave now. It will be just a couple minutes and then we'll finish. Just hold steady. Just one moment. Your Bible's away. You know what we're going to do, don't you? Just one minute. Total silence. We're just going to wait on the Lord. Now, this is a, this is a posture of receiving. I don't do this on the plane, because people think I'm doing yogi. <laughs> no, I don't do that on the plane. Are you ready? We just take a cup, one, one minute, and then I'm going to ask you to do something with me. If you take what I'm saying to you very serious, this morning, I got up early, went up the mountain. There's a big thing up on top of the mountain, a place where it's quiet. And I, I went up there, just waited on the Lord. It was beautiful, North Carolina mountains. The whole creation was there. I just bathed in God's presence. I'm not trying to impress you of my spirituality. I'm trying to testify and make you hungry. I'm trying to testify and make you believe this is possible. Third, I taught you how to do it. If you do what I've taught you, you'll begin to develop a brand new skill, a kind of prayer you've never had before. It is very important. It does not displace other kinds of prayer but it's something very important. If I wake up at night and I don't feel like interceding or studying, what do I do? Come on. Wait. I said, Lord, I just want to be here with you. My spirit longs for you, wants to know you. Now, all of that. Would you just open your hands to the Lord now? And let's just quietly wait in God's presence. And, and you watch two things. The sense of God's presence already here, so we don't have to fuss with that one. But watch for a wandering mind. Let's just wait on the Lord for just one moment. We want to know how to follow you. God, our Father, we want to know how to love you and to encounter you. Holy Spirit, we want to know how to be more aware of your presence. We wait for you right now. Our dependence is upon you. We cannot save ourselves. We believe that you work while we wait. 
while you're still just waiting on the Lord, let me ask you this question. If the Lord is speaking to you about ministry or you're not comfortable in his presence, would you just stand and make your way out of the aisle and come down here? Let me pray for you, one of the brothers. If you're not comfortable in God's presence, or there's something that's bothering you deeply and you need ministry, would you just slip out, just quietly, just slip out. You can make your way out of the pew. And just come on down right here and stand and let us minister to you. Let the rest of us just wait on God for a couple minutes. Come on now. That's right. Please don't be bashful. There's... There's several situations here. As we were praying before the meeting, the Lord mentioned that there be several, that just in the quietness, as your listening skills are opened, the Lord speaking to you about some particular situation, and you just need to come and stand in God's presence. Please do it in the balcony. Please, we'll wait for you. Don't let the accuser rob you right now. It's starting to break open here. There's several that need to come. There's several that need to come. That's right. You're not comfortable. There's something that, that as you wait on the Lord, there's, there's a thing God is speaking to you about, and and you need to have, have that dealt with so that when you go tonight and tomorrow to wait on the Lord, this would not be an issue with you. Anyone else? Come on now. Would the brothers come and pray, please? Let's just minister to these. And the sisters, please, the wives, come. Now, these are, these are their coming. There's several yet coming. I think there's several yet to come. I, I feel the Holy Spirit just pulling on my heart here. This each one will have someone to pray with you here. And uh, would a couple of the other ladies, Minnie, would you come minister to a couple of these ladies right here? And we're going to dismiss just one moment. Would you just, don't let the distractions bother you. Just spend your time waiting on God. Now the three things that we're doing is we're waiting on God and we're asking God to heal and increase our listening skills and we're asking God to encounter us this weekend in some way of his own choice. Is there someone else? There's a couple others. There's a couple others. 